Let's stand together and let's open our, our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. All these, we just, we just finished, he just you know, finished talking about the nine gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12. We just kind of wrapped that up. We've been talking about those the last three weeks, and if you missed any of those definitions and talking about those and what they mean, it'll help you as we get to 1 Corinthians 14 if you go back and kind of listen to those. And you can get online and see, hear any of those. It doesn't cost you a thing. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit. And again, I just want to point out to you, whenever you're reading the Bible and the, the Spirit is capitalized, that means the Holy Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So who apportions to each one as he wills? The Spirit. Now verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Where, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? As it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single mem member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Which of our presentable parts do not, which our more presentable parts do not require? But God has so composed the body, given greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Father, this concept is uh, counterculture to us. This concept is a little startling to us. Uh, so, Lord, help us to explain how startling it is and help us to understand how meaningful it is as we think about how your church is supposed to live and work and be. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a minute and say hello to a bunch of people around you. Greet them in the name of the Lord. And
You know, we do this almost every service where we take a minute and give you a chance to shake hands. And, and let me tell you, it's, it's not meant to be the time where we just go talk to the same people we always talk to. I mean, now, if you haven't seen the person all week and this is the first time you've seen them, great. You, you say, hey, you can talk for a minute. But we really want to encourage you to look for people you don't know, you never talk to, and uh, look out for them. And so I encourage you on Sunday mornings and do it, to do that. It, it, I think in the, as we look at this scripture, this is a scripture probably all of us in this room are fairly acquainted with, and, and yet there's a concept presented here uh, that I think we, maybe on a very subconscious level, would struggle with, and we need to really look at and, and think about. Uh, I think it's really important for us to understand this one part of our need for each other. Our need for each other. Uh, the fact that we are stronger together, stronger when we know each other, and weaker when we don't know each other. Uh, stronger when we're using our gifts, weaker when we're not using our gifts. And when we understand that, we begin to understand why we struggle in some things. So, so brothers and sisters, hear me. One of the first things, when we begin to struggle, we begin to get hurt, or we begin to get tempted, one of the first things the enemy wants to do to you, especially if you slip up, is he wants you to feel uncomfortable in the church. Why? Because he wants to separate you out from the strength that could come to you to heal you. He wants you to remain separated out. Uh, here, here's something you can be praying with us about. We are in a process right now with the elders and with some people in the church of uh, really exploring and praying about how to address uh, a very sensitive issue in the world today that has, that has to deal primarily with men and, and young men especially now because of the availability of it, which is pornography. And there's some really deep issues with pornography that is not just, I mean, it, it, it can be as much of a physical addiction as drugs or alcohol can be a physical addiction. All the studies show that it does things in our brain and does things chemically to men when they see certain things that become something that they long more and more for. The Bible talks about this. It says, talks about the lust of the eyes. Psalmist talks about this when he says, I've determined not to put my eyes on evil things and wrong things. Now, you, you, take a, you take an issue like that and you uh, tag on top of it uh, the sense of embarrassment or shame that a person may have that the enemy wants you to have because you sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit and you keep falling back into the sin. And now the very thing that you need, 
the body of Christ, the accountability of the body of Christ, becomes almost impossible to get. Uh, the second thing that happens in this issue, and you'll hear us talking more about this in the months ahead, the second thing that happens is if the man is married and he, maybe he's kept this from his wife and she doesn't know it, her reaction when she discovers it is once she's hurt, uh, she's angry, and many, many times she doesn't understand the depth of the issue. And now you're dealing with not only the addiction and the sin, but you're dealing with a crash in the marriage. And so there's got to be education on both sides of this, on all sides of this, uh, so that we can get to be a, a, a place, I'll try this on for size because this is unimaginable to me right now, where it's a safe place for men to find healing and maybe some, some women to get healing. All of that is important because in whatever, you think about addi and addictions in particular, the body of Christ is where we get strength from each other. And we need each other, and we need each other's gifts, and we need each other's to stand alongside of us and to help us overcome. And this is what this scripture is really talking about, not, not talking about it necessarily pornography or addiction. It's talking about the strength that comes and the intent that comes in us being connected. See, in some cultures of the world today, government is king. And when government is king, when, the, when, the, when power is king, then there's a very low value of life. Life is cheap. It's really cheap. And we devalue, we see some of this in America today, especially around issues like abortion, where life is cheap, uh, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But in some countries of the world, I mean, life is just simply cheap. In other, in, in, in other uh, places, and at times, again, in America, uh, family is king. Uh, your life purpose is found in honoring your family. This is so deeply embedded in Japan that, and in places like, like, like the Orient, places like Asia, uh, where it's so deeply embedded that to come to Christ is a rejection of your family and a rejection of your identity. And, it, and the ground to really see people come to Christ is a long, hard uh, ground to get broken for them to find the freedom to come to Christ. In America, what we deal with is individualism. We celebrate the individual. Uh, the individual is taught, you know, go for what you feel, for what you want, bring nothing into check, nothing into balance. Uh, don't, don't let anything check or balance your life. Whatever whim you have, you're an individual. You should give into it, whether that's sexually, 
whatever, whatever that is. And so the family in many cases gets blown apart. The values of the church get blown apart. And uh, you can find yourself uh, talking to someone and, and challenging them in very clear scriptural principles. And they get angry because you are quote-unquote judging me and I am free to be whoever I want to be. And where that may be true with government, it's not true in the kingdom. We don't come into the kingdom and set our rules. And when you get outside of the kingdom and individuals set their rules, we discover there's a reason why there's rules in the kingdom. The breaking of rules doesn't help us. It destroys us. It destroys us. This individualism is, not a, is, is in some ways a, a good thing, but in other ways can be a very bad thing because if we throw off all the restraints of, that are supposed to be natural in our life, like family, or if the family's corrupt, if the family balances aren't right, if peer connection isn't right, and, and, we, we, and, and a lot of these things get, then we go into all kinds of destructive feelings. And if we throw off the, the restraints of the church, uh, then, and we chase after the individualism that, that the world would promote today, we get into all kinds of destructive things uh, that, that uh, are, cause us pain. So uh, this happens in big and in little ways. The American church... Uh, as a, as a, and I'm an American, you're an American, most of you in this room are Americans, seems to have a hard time balancing our individual responsibility and unity that is needed in the church to be the church. Unity and connection that we need to be able to be fully mature believers and completely strong. Recognizing the unity that we need. We have a tendency to blow off those handles on our life and to not see ourselves as people in need of others. We have a tendency not to see ourselves connected in that way, and when something happens that we, that's a little difficult, it's easy for us to divorce ourselves in that relationship instead of working our way through it. This has made the church extremely weak in America. Now, there's reasons for that at times because sometimes, I'll admit, sometimes the church has abused that power because they haven't acted out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And they've abused it. But there are other times when it's just because we are connected with this individualism that we don't see ourselves as a part of something that we need to be a part of and they need, to, they, they need, other people need us to be a part of. I've had this conversation many times with guys that, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I don't need the church. Well, well, then the church needs you. And someday in your life, you're going to need the church. You're, you're going to need it someday. You're going to need that connection someday. And, and frankly, your willingness to say right now that you don't need it is really a loud cry saying, I need it right now. I need somebody to call my hand on my individualism right now. 
right this moment, I need to see that I am not an entity unto my own. Even with the help of God, he has made me to get help from him through the body. You getting that? Well, God can keep me. Sure he can. But the way he plans on keeping you is through the body. That's his plan. He plans on keeping you through the body. And somebody said to me today, a few weeks ago, and it really struck me that when they said it, it's like the Lord just popped this into my head. They said, well, I'm going through all, of, going through all these things. I said, yeah, we, we need to understand. We need the body. We need the body of Christ for us to be strong. And you're standing out there on your own wondering why you're struggling so much. It's because you are not embedded in the body to the point where you know people and you're connected to people and they're connected to you and they can be a strength to you. We need the body of Christ. The American church has a hard time balancing that. Now, if you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it says, all these talking about the gifts are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who portions to each one individually as he will. So God sets this up. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We, are, we were all made to drink of the one Spirit. So you look at this and, and he's tearing down some really strong cultural divides. I mean, he's just, he's just ripping them apart here. Where the Jews saw themselves as separate from, you know, everybody was a Greek as far as, you know, now he's talking to the Corinthians who are Greeks, but everybody was a, you know, foreign as far as the Jews were. He said, all of those boundaries got to go. All of those ways of how we see each other have got to go. All these racial things, all of these tribal things, all of this stuff, you come in the kingdom, they get left at the door. They get left at the door. All the things that separate, age, all that stuff separates. And slavery or a free man, all that gets left at the door. We are all the new creation in Christ Jesus. And he's sweeping all of that away because we, we were made to drink of the one spirit. We are all now of the one spirit. So as we look at this passage a little bit tonight, Again, this passage is dealing with the gifts of the Spirit and how they are to function. So, so we get this. There may be a guy who is a slave and he's got the gift of knowledge. There may be a guy who is, uh, you, know, is, a, is you know, an aristocrat and he may have the gift of discernment. All of this, the, the titles on the outside mean nothing. The Greek or the Jew, all that means nothing. What means something is the gifts that come upon us on the inside and who we are in Christ. So he's sweeping all that stuff away. Now, it's also, this passage is also talking to a local church, if you remember back to the beginning of this series, that is full of division. The Corinthian church is divided on all money lines, all kinds of lines. There's all kinds of division. Who, who won them to Christ? Uh, you know, how, how they treat him. All kinds of divisions. And he's looking at them and saying to them, these divisions have to stop. We are one body. We're baptized in the one body. 
So the Bible presents our membership in the universal church. And these three verses are clearly pointing to that membership. We are part of one body, universal. The universal church, to be clear, transcends time. I'm a part of the same body of Christ that Paul was a part of. Transcends time. The universal church transcends space. I'm part of the same church, the same body as Chinese Christians are today. African Christians are today. We're part of the same body. And the interesting thing about that is when you get with them, there's the same spirit. It's an amazing thing. There's the same spirit when you get with them. Because why? All the other cultural stuff gets torn down because we're one body. We're one spirit, baptized into one spirit. And, and even though there may be cultural differences, you know, different styles of dress or different styles of food or different styles of music, we, there's a connection. This is why, I, I want to tell you, this is why I resist the condemnation of different types of music. It's not the music. It's the spirit. It's the spirit. And if a guy gets up, when, when, when Q gets up here, and raps, and you've heard me say, I do not have one rap CD, I do not download rap, but when Quentin gets up here, and in the spirit, he begins to express himself and his worship and his love for God and with rap, I'm like, this is cool. When the little kids get up here and they're celebrating Christ, I'm not going to buy their album. They don't have an album, but I love hearing them because it's the spirit, Right? And, and, and so when we sit back and we let the music style separate us from the Spirit, we're in error. We're in error. We, we, we embrace the Spirit of the person. And the Spirit that's coming out brings us together, whether that's music, whether that's, you know, food taste, whether that's dress styles. You know, I, I, some of our... Some of our people from different cultures wear dress from their culture from time to time. I love it. We're going to wear some dress from our culture in two weeks. We're going to wear, you know, sports jerseys. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Now, listen. When we move past verse 13, the terminology begins to change. And Paul begins to address the local church. Because as we are a part of this great mystical, this great invisible universal church, God plants us in the local church. Plants us in a local church. He plants us in an individual body at an individual time and individual place. And there's supposed to be great love and connection in there. He presents ideas in these next verses that challenge the American idea of individual happiness and purpose. And what we begin to discover is spiritual joy and spiritual connection and, 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 and dependence upon each other. His illustration revolves around the idea of a body so we can all relate to this. We have been baptized into one body, the dead to, dead to the old way, and by the Spirit made one, and by the Spirit connected with each other. By the Spirit 
con- and connect with each other. So my natural affinity when the Spirit is in me is towards other people with the Spirit in them. It's natural. Again, this is the problem with somebody says, oh, I don't need the church. What, where's your natural affinity to? If the Spirit is in you, your natural affinity is for other people. You, you want to be around other people in the church. You, want, you, you desire that because the Spirit that's in you is in them. And the Spirit, capital S, Spirit, draws us together to be used in our individuality. And we find the joy in the, in the differences and the joy in the different talents and different abilities. We find it inside of all of that. We don't let those things separate. See, that's the old man. The old man separates over the differences. The new man becomes unified in the differences, recognizing the body has different places and different uses. So here are some lessons uh, about unity of the body. Here's lesson number one and, and fundamental. You are a part of a body. You're a part of a body. You're not, a, you're not this rugged individualist anymore. In the kingdom, we were meant to be a part of the body. Even though we're going to stand alone in our relationship in our relationship and submission to God, and we'll stand alone in judgment, on this earth, we are connected, and I believe in heaven, we are connected through the Spirit and need each other and want to celebrate each other. Real life and purpose comes through that connection. It comes through that connection. And it's not just, it's not just a connection where, okay, I'm gonna, I, I kind of like the music and I like, uh, you know, like Pastor Mark, so I'm going to be connected to Calvary. No, no. It's where you begin to love other You begin to want the best for the other people in the church. You begin to care, actually have feelings for other people. Uh, your, your interests, you actually begin to get interested in how other people are doing. You're interested. It matters to you because you sense this affinity that the Spirit is growing. We actually rejoice with each other and we actually mourn with each other. They're deep feelings that begin to develop when the church is healthy and we care about each other. So jealousy gets set aside. Competition gets set aside. All the other stuff gets set aside. And when we see a brother and they have a brother or sister and something good happens to us, it's, it's oh, I'm, I'm glad that happened to you. I wish it happened to me. No, no, there's, there's a rejoicing with them, a natural rejoicing. And when somebody has a loss, there's a natural burden that leads us to prayer with them. And it's natural. And I say, well, Pastor, what if I don't have it? You need to start praying for this. God, I, I recognize I am a part of the body. I'm not an individual anymore. I, I am individual, but I am also connected inside a body of Christ where I will be healthy and others will be healthier because of that connection. Number two, each of us as a part of the body has a unique purpose. 
Each of us has a unique purpose. The hand is, as he's doing, the hand is unique from the foot and the eye is unique from the, from the ear. You have a unique purpose in the body. Remember, we're talking about gifts. And, and, and so we, we under, begin to understand it's not just the pastor, it's us. It's not just the pastor's church or the leader's church. It's my church that I belong to, and I belong to the other people in here, and they belong to me. And I have unique gifts that will bless them, and they have unique gifts that can bless me. And if I don't take time to learn about them and discover them, I won't have the strength I need. And if they don't learn about me and I don't offer my gifts to them, they won't have the strength that they need. We're a unique part and we have a work to do. This is why, again, we encourage you to go through starting point. We encourage you to begin to, to try to discover what your gifts are, discover your place. And remember, all this comes back to using what we have for the common good. Using our talents, our resources, using what we have to be a blessing to others. Now, number three, here's what you have to, you have to learn how to work. You have to learn how to work. Uh, I, 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 you know, I've got uh, two grandchildren that are under the age of, of two right now, and it's, it's so much fun to watch them from babies. I, I, you know, I tell parents all the time, listen, it's going to be about four months till they start, till you start having fun with this. The first four months is nice. But about four months, they actually start doing stuff. It's about four months in that they learn to smile at you. You know, they learn to roll over. They start learning how to reach out. And so what's happening? Here's this little body that doesn't know how to work yet. Doesn't know how to see yet. Doesn't know what it's hearing. Is it? And it's not long before they know what no means. They know... I, I was with, uh, when, 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 when my grandson Solomon was, uh, wasn't talking yet, and uh, he had been at our house, and he'd, we had him upstairs, he had taken a nap. It was time for him to get up, I got up, and he was awake, so I picked him up, and I carry him, and he's as happy as Lark. He's as happy as he can be, and I carry him down the steps, and he's just glad to be up and moving. And we walk through the kitchen, and he's just happy as he can be. And we walk by the pantry, he's happy as he can walk into the family room. As soon as we walk in the family room, he starts screaming. And I'm like, what is wrong with him? He's just crying. And I think, I wonder. And I turned around, and I walked back, and I stood in front of the pantry, and he stops crying. And he points at the pantry. <laughs> he's communicating. You know, I, there's something in there that I want. That I want. Now, it's a, that's, a, that's the fun thing. But he has to learn how to do that. He has to learn how to express. And as they get a little bit older, what do we say to him? They start crying. We say, no, no, no. Use your words. Just tell us what you're doing. You don't have to scream. You don't have to cry. Just use your words to tell us what you want. Okay, you want that? Go get it. And in, in the body of Christ, we have to, in, in, in our places, we have to learn how to uh, use these gifts, how to exercise them in our life. 
And so we, we've got to work at this. What are the gifts that I have? Do I know what they are? And, and do I, am I using them for others? Number four, you are dead on your own. You're dead on your own. You're of no use on your own. Each part of the body is sustained by the other parts. If we had just a foot up here on the platform, could it walk across the... It can't, walk, it can't go anyplace. It needs the legs. It needs the rest of the body. It needs the brain. It needs to be connected. Disconnected, it means nothing. It can do nothing. It's through connection that that foot can go someplace. This is what Paul's saying to us. We need each other. We can't have division. You can't have division about Greek and Jew and slave or free. You can't have these divisions. These have all got to get torn down. We've got to see ourselves differently than what the world's taught us to see ourselves and see ourselves inside a connection because we're dead on our own. Connection brings ability. My hand can go like this because my arm lets it go like that because the rest of my body gives it strength to go like that. Connection brings ability. You'll become more effective. You'll become uh, more eternal as you are connected. He's trying to get us to see. We're baptized by the Spirit. It's the Spirit that works as the blood in us that makes us function and work together. And we don't want to resist each other. We want to be patient with each other. We want to strengthen each other. If one part is hurting, we don't, we don't want to judge it. We want to minister to it. We want to care for it. We want to celebrate with the good parts. We want to be a part of this body. And we don't want, we don't want the hand to take over. Don't want the hand to rule. We want the, we want the whole body to rule. We want to, we want to be in unity together. Some parts are simply to help other parts. And in the body of Christ, that's true. Some bring life. Some bring strength. Some allow the hand to go where it needs to go. Some allow things to happen. Some of us just help others do the things they're supposed to do. Number seven, the church is a body that needs each part to function. Listen, God has put in this body of believers everything we need to accomplish everything we're called to do right now. Everything. What holds us back is when some parts of the body refuse to do their part. When they're too lazy, when they, when they, when they don't get involved when they don't step up and say, what's my role here? What should I be doing here? This is, you know, this is why I talk to you guys. And I say, listen, on Sunday morning, here's one of the things you can do. We talked about this last night. On Sunday morning, meet new people. Look around who's sitting by you that's not normal. That's part of what you can do to connect. You know, find your gift and use it. If, you're, you, know, if, if you have the talent to sing, sing. We all have the talent to worship. And let me tell you, when, when, when people come in, when people that don't know Christ come into a body of believers who understand, I'm going in that building today. I've had a rough week. 
There's some things that have happened I don't like, but God is worthy to be praised. I've had a great week. Wonderful things have happened. I'm going to go in there and praise God. When a mature body, when, when there's a growing maturity of the body of Christ that come in that don't wait for the right song, that stirs them, but they just say, I am here to worship God. And that body with gusto and strength and love for God and compassion and desire to, and passion to worship God begins to do it. Lost people get touched in the middle of it. Right in the middle of all that because there's a life and an energy in it. But if we come in and say, oh, you know, I, I know the Bible says to lift my hands up, but I just, don't, I just don't do that. Then we don't function in the fullness of what God has. Oh, I'm, you know, I just, I'm here for somebody to serve me today. Listen, some people don't get fed, not because the word isn't good, not because the music isn't good. They don't get fed because they were supposed to be serving somebody and they didn't. And they walk out and they go, that wasn't much of a church service today. What was supposed to? You just didn't serve anybody. Was this getting personal? Okay, listen, serve people. Now, number eight, God has ordered each part as he wills. He's ordered each part as he wills. My dad was smart enough to understand this. He, he, people would ask him, is Mark going to be a pastor? Say, oh, we're praying that he does what God wants him to do. Whatever God wants him to do is fine with me. You know, he orders us as he wills. I can't make my daughters or my sons, I shouldn't try to make them be anything except people who want to love and serve God. That is the key thing for their life. If they learn to love and serve God, they'll find fulfillment and wholeness in life. And so my job as a parent is to teach them to love and serve God. Our job in here is to help you love and serve God. Find your place. And remember, you know, would, would I like to play piano like Danny does? I think that would be cool to play piano like Danny does. I, I've, I've tried. I, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I mean, Danny's worked at it, but he's worked, and, and the gift that's in him, God has let come out of him. And that's a great thing. All of us have, we don't get to choose which talents we get. We don't get to choose what gifts we get. God orders us by his will. And then it's up to us to be stewards of his will. Not to be jealous of somebody else, but to be stewards of his will. You know, I tell you from time to time, I, I believe, you know, if you want to find me in heaven, I'll be down with the dancers. I, I, I can't dance a lick right now. I think when I get, I've asked the Lord, Lord, when I get a new body, I want rhythm. <laughs> I want what's in here to be able to be expressed with the fullness of my body. I cannot do that right now. It looks ridiculous. I don't, I, I, it just doesn't look God glorifying to me when I, when I try to do that. But I, I really, you know, am envious of people who, it's, they've got that. The Bible says dance before the Lord and, you know, I can kind of do something and, 
interpret it as a dance, but it, it doesn't look very God-glorifying to me. But, some, but what you have, use for the glory of God's kingdom. We don't get to pick and choose those things. But walk in the will that one body has one spirit. One spirit. And this is why when, when we walk into some places, the places I walk into, and you sense this, there's, a, there's an odd, there's a spirit here that I'm not comfortable with. And you walk into other situations, you go, boy, I, I'm connected here. I feel the connection here. I feel the spirit of Christ here. I feel and sense the, the awareness that Christ is, is here. We are supposed to walk in the spirit of Christ. Amen. Father, we know all these things are about gifts. They're about how the church is supposed to work. And as we go into 1 Corinthians, we've already looked at it here as a body, what, what 1 Corinthians 13 says to us, that we're supposed to love, want the best for each other. And yet here in this passage, you bring us to this awareness of our need for each other, of others' need for us and of a right spirit within us. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, help us and guide us and direct us in all of this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.